0: Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this
1: show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. Hi friends, how are you? I miss you. I am traveling, as I promised you, throughout the United States. And right now we are in, I can't even pronounce it, Wyethville, Virginia. And I am filming filming and audio podcast radio uh, through AM980, The Mission. Thank you, John, for coming on board and helping me put my equipment together. (laughs) Let's
0: thank Steve, Shug. Steve deserves all the credit.
1: (laughs) You know, he does, but he's not on with us right now. Thank you, Steve, out there listening. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Um, I hope that this comes off and it sounds good because we have a really special guest today. Um, I had promised you guys before that I was going to do an on-the-road series. My husband and I have sold everything, including our furniture. We're on the road. We're interviewing people across America. And it's amazing how interesting everybody is that we're meeting. And I've had the opportunity To have this wonderful woman presented to me. Her name is Erica Wigginghorn, and I have to thank her so much for coming on and being patient with my audio situation. Thank you, Erica. No problem. (laughs) I'm so glad you're on with us. You guys were on YouTube as well as um, playing through the radio and on podcasts everywhere. So, would you guys do me a favor and check it out? You can see the backgrounds where we're at. I'm going to have different environments, different scenes every time that we tape. So, um, I'm really excited. About what god has presented to us but let me get into our show i am so excited about this guest we have her name is erica wigginghorn and she wrote a book called letting god be enough and if you're watching us you guys got to get this book it's really good i only interview people that i would recommend in reading their books and this one really spoke to me because the tagline on it says why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free. And you might be a new Christian, you might be a, a seasoned Christian, or you might be a seeker, and everybody can use this book, right, Erica? It's definitely,
0: uh, it, it's written out there for anybody who finds themselves striving in any particular area of life, whether it's their career, their relationships, their identity. um Being trying to be a good Christian and follow Jesus, trying to figure out who Jesus is and what life is all about. Uh, We live in a culture that over and over entices us to strive and basically tells us that if we're not striving, we should be ashamed of ourselves. But God tells us something entirely different in his word.
1: I love it. Friends, let me tell you a little bit about Erica. Erica is an award-winning author. And the founder of Every Life Ministries, bringing you the truth of scripture to transform your life by digging deeply into God's word. Erica is the author of three Bible studies released by Moody Publishers, and we love Moody Publishers, uh, An Unexplained Life, The Unexplainable Church, The Unexplainable Jesus. And she's a graduate and postgraduate of Azusa Pacific University, which is an amazing college. Erica lives in Phoenix. Is it warm there today? Oh, it's always warm here. <laughs> <laughs> Erica lives in Phoenix with her best friend and husband, Jonathan, and their four children, only two of which are human. Her other two are furry and adorable. Okay, you have to tell us, what are those other two? We have
0: two dogs. They are both Australian Shepherd Poodle mixes. One is a giant and one is a mini. And the mini bosses the giant around, which isn't is that the way is? Yeah, yeah. is.
1: I've had two pit bulls and I tell you, these little Chihuahuas come up and put them in place. So <laughs> that's that's the way of the world, isn't it? Um, you know, I really enjoyed your book because in the very beginning, and I hope you don't mind if I refer to the book um, with some of my questions, because I really enjoyed reading it. Um, but I love the way you started out the very beginning with um a performance review that you had by someone at your job, can you share with our listeners a little bit about that because that was a great story
0: yeah so i uh, I was always a hard worker. I grew up in a family that applauded hard work and hard work is not foreign to me but in in the midst of all of that, I always struggled with a feeling like am I enough am i am I doing enough am I meeting the expectations of the people you know in front of me over me and so my very first performance review this was my very first full-time job I ever had and as we sat in the booth and she began to explain to me and she was like look you you're doing amazing and you're such a hard worker and the team loves you and I mean she went on and on and on and after she's like three months and I'm giving you a raise and I'm promoting you to assistant manager, like dream job review, right? But then <laughs> she says, now I have to give you something to work on. And in that moment, my heart just dropped and my, my spirit just crumbled within me because it was like I was at a place at that point in my life where I could not take any criticism, none. I, I would just crumble under it. And she said in that moment, and this is so hysterical when you think about what we're doing right now, but she said to me, you talk too much. You talk too much, right? Whoa. It was such a nondescript thing, you know, it was like, okay, I'm too friendly with the people that come in the store. I talk to my coworkers too much. I mean, I don't know, right? But it's this whole idea of we let our insecurities become. so dominant in our lives that any little word of criticism or any time we let someone else down or don't meet someone else's expectations, which I don't know about your life, but it's pretty much impossible to meet everybody's expectations at all times. I'm not even close. Um, (laughs) Right? You just crumble. And that's obviously not how God wants his daughters to live. And so how do we move past this? How do we move past this insecurity of feeling like we're never enough and we're not meeting people's expectations and someone is always going to be upset with us? And we live in this constant fear and anxiety of feeling like we have to keep all of the plates spinning um, to keep everybody else happy. And inside, we feel like we're dying. Mm-hmm. Even on the outside, we probably look like we have it all together because we are trying so super hard to do all the things and be all the things and be all the things to all the people. So from the outside, people look at our lives and they're like, "Wow, she she's got it going on. I don't know how she manages to do all those things. I don't know how she, you know, keeps herself up and and, you know, volunteers in all these places and keeps everything going and So from the outside, we look pretty darn good. Like our Instagram is is happening. We got it going on. But on the inside, we're withering because we're just constantly living in this fear of when is the ball going to drop and when is somebody going to be upset with us?
1: You know, it's funny that you um, that, that one thing, like your boss, give you a ton of compliments, want to give you a raise and a promotion, etc. But it was just those simple words, you talk too much. And that was something my teachers always wrote on my report card. She talks too much. And look at now I'm on radio. This is how it works. God uses our giftings that he gives us. So at that moment, it might have been a negative, but God has created us perfectly for the purpose and the plan he has for our life. Um, can we fast forward now uh, to another part of the book where you're going into moody publishers and you are also having some issues about not being good enough. Would you share that with me, please?
0: Yeah, that was really the moment where God really laid it on my heart to really start dealing with this issue of striving and feeling like I'm not enough, uh, feeling inadequate. Um, A lot of people refer to it as imposter syndrome. That might be a term that you've heard before, but essentially, uh, I had signed my first contract with Moody Publishers. My very first book had come out. I had already signed my second contract, and I was going to Chicago to meet the team and just really celebrate what God was doing. And a fellow author and dear friend of mine, we were there together in the hotel room. We were getting ready to leave out the door, and all of a sudden, I just started shaking and I was sweating and my stomach just knotted up inside of me. And I looked at her and I was like, I cannot go. I cannot go to Moody Publishers today. They are going to take one look at me and they're going to be like, we gave that knucklehead a contract, like pull the book, rip up the next contract. She's done this like game over. And that was honestly what I thought. And she just kind of cocked her head at me and she was like, you have imposter syndrome. And I was like, what in the world is imposter syndrome? And she explained it to me and it was exactly the thoughts and the feelings that repeated in my head, like a, like a tape player going over and over Well, we went to Moody Publishers. I, you know, feigned my excitement and confidence over all that God was doing and Of course, you know, the team didn't hate me like I thought they were going to and nobody ripped up my next contract. Um, But when we got back to our hotel room that night and we went um, to bed for the night, I got in my bed and as I laid there in the quiet, I just sensed God saying to me, you know, how long are you going to allow this lie to continue to rob you of all of your joy You know, this was like a a huge moment for you. You got to walk into Moody Publishers and look on a bookshelf and have a book with your name on it next to all of your heroes of the faith, you know, Tozer and Spurgeon and Moody and Pink and all of these people that I've read, (laughs) you know, and God was like, when are you going to let me deal with this fear in your life? Because that's really what it is. It's fear. Mm -hmm. It's fear Mm -hmm. that's rooted in a lie of the enemy. And I knew in that moment that I would write a book about this. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I would research it and figure it out. And being a, a girl whose passion is to get your face in the book and live like it's true, Uh, I really started to look at how does the world tell us that we deal with imposter syndrome? Because there's a ton of stuff out there on it if we start researching. But then what does God do in the wake of imposter syndrome? And what I found, and this will probably not be a huge shock to you, what I found is God's prescription for dealing with this and the world's prescription for dealing with this are
1: entirely
0: opposite of yeah. one
1: another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And isn't that just what the enemy does? He wants, you know, in fact, hang on. I had a quote from you that was just so wonderful. I really appreciated it. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I thought it was just so good. Um, is that you talked about exactly what you had just said, the imposter, imposter syndrome. Um, and you asked the question, who am I God? So you're asking God, you said that's step one. Why do you think that's step one?
0: Because step one really invites God to speak into our situation first. See, if if we research what the world tells us to do with imposter syndrome, um, they will tell you things like, uh, you know, unroll your resume and cite all of your past experiences. Ex- all of your past successes, uh, Mm -hmm. rely on your former experiences, remember your education, remember all of the things in your life and all of the tools that you have in order to be successful in this current situation. Um, Essentially, what they're saying is, you know, look in the mirror and give yourself a pep talk and frame your identity based on your past performances. And I mean, let's be honest, that's not bad advice. Because by and large, as women, we constantly downplay our giftedness and our successes, we naturally default into self deprecating. Um, and that certainly does not honor God, right? To tell God, we're essentially telling God, like, okay, well, I know in your word, you you say all these things about me. But when I look in the mirror, I, you know, I don't I don't see it. And so therefore it can't be true. Mm -hmm. Um, That obviously does not honor God. So the world's advice, I don't want to say that it's bad advice because it's not bad advice. It's just inadequate advice to overcome a fear of inadequacy for the very simple reason that all of us, after enough time on this earth, we're going to face a situation where we're going to unroll our resume Mm -hmm. and we got nothing, right? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, My husband's coworker, she came into his office a few months ago, and she announced to the whole team, um, my 11-year-old daughter has cancer. Rachel is a brilliant woman, right? She's run million-dollar companies. She has a resume a mile long. There's nothing on that resume that said, I am prepared to be the mother of a cancer patient.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. what is what do we do then? Uh, and that's really when we go to God and we say, who am I? But the even greater question is when we ask that question, God turns it around and he says, okay, we'll get to that question. But let's start first with who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Who is I am? And when we cast all of these questions and all of these unknowns and all of this fear on the great I am, then we discover our true source of strength. And most importantly, what we discover is that no human is going to thwart divine plans. We are just not that awesome. (laughs) So if we can know who the great I am is, that is going to give us a whole lot more pause and a whole lot less concern Mm -hmm. over who we are and what we bring to the table in the fulfillment of God's plans.
1: You know, and amen to that. And don't all of our kids need to hear this? I mean, all of our children, our relatives, everybody, I mean, I think it'd be an awesome holiday conversation. I mean, who am I? And then who is the great I am? And, And what a wonderful conversation starter that is. Um, You know, what I really appreciate, Erica, about your book is so honest, and it's raw. And the way you have your chapter set up, I really enjoy because you talk about different topics, and I'm just going to share a few of them with you for our listeners. Um, You know, for example, in the beginning, Forging Our Identity. Um, The next chapter is forging ahead after failure. I mean, I spent a little bit of time in there because I failed. A lot of women have failed. And how do you continue to forge ahead from that? Uh, The real rescuer, God's game plan, squashing fears, outward signs of inward belief, dealing with disappointment, dealing with distractions, the quickest or the safest. That's always good. Um, je- juggling jealousy. Oh yeah, ladies, we're good at that, aren't we? Looking at our limitations, tent kickers, betrayal, when the worst happens, disobedience and delays, and God's ultimate plans. But th- I like it because the sh- chapters are not too long. They get right to the point. And then it's almost like you're on a journey. Did you plan that on purpose, the trekking and the journey? And <laughs> and at the very end of the chapters, she has, um, hang on, I got to get to it. So I I'm not intentional trekking, Bible reading plan so that, you know, and it's a great Bible study to do not only with your family, maybe, but also maybe even your spouse or a great Bible study to do with your girlfriends, a good summer one as well, when people are off of school. Um, So you have a Bible reading plan. You have truths for the journey, which is next. You have processing the journey, passionate prayer after that. And what I appreciate about the passionate prayer is Erica, I don't know if you agree with me. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the muck, in the middle of the striving, you can't come up with a prayer. And I love that you wrote out prayers for us to read. And you know what happens is when we start to pray, and even if we start to pray something someone's already written, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit takes you and you continue on in prayer at that moment because the Holy Spirit is guiding your words. Um, yes. I just I love the way you set up the chapters. It was really helpful.
0: Thank you. Yes, it's definitely set up to be a journey because the book really centers around Moses, uh, who who came to God with that question, who am I? Uh, and and the journey that God really took Moses on to help him overcome his fear of inadequacy. Uh, you know, I refer to Moses as the greatest self-doubter of the Bible. He argued with God about his abilities. He argued with God about his assignments. He argued with God about his God's plan for his future. I mean, he is what he is such a relatable guy when it comes to that piece. And what's so beautiful is how God responded to Moses in all of those situations and who God promised to be for Moses. Because I take a lot of comfort in that because when I'm in a situation where I'm juggling jealousy or I'm facing disappointment or I'm in a position of fear, um, I can go back to those stories and I can trust like this is the the God of Moses is my God as well. And the things that God promised to Moses, God promises to me. And if God can bring Moses on a journey to freedom, he can bring me on a journey to freedom and he can bring you on a journey to freedom. And how does God do that? And what specific steps does God ask Moses to take? Because this Mm -hmm. is where I think we get hung up, right? Like we want to live in this relationship of surrender to God where we're like, yeah, I trust God with everything. And I'm not worried about anything, right? Like we want to be able to live that Philippians 4 Who uh, is that person? But who (laughs) is that person, right? Who is that person? We think of surrender; it's like this huge abstract thing. Like, what does that mean? Like, I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, "Here I am, God!" Like, and so you know, well, and Erica, don't you
1: don't you think as well, Erica? A lot of people don't even like the word surrender. They like to be in control. They like to strive, is what the book is called. Mm -hmm. And, ladies, if you're just tuning in, I'm interviewing Erica Wigginhorn. She's got an awesome book called Letting God be enough why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free and you know what i loved about the fact you used moses is that i have studied moses quite a bit but i've never studied moses from the standpoint of his striving and his insecurities and um who God was, of course, in his life. And so I loved the way you, you know, when I first read it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Moses. Okay. But no, I dug, to him at all. <laughs> I dug in. I loved it. I loved it. Like, like word sentence by sentence. The stuff you pulled out was so amazing and reflective on my own life as well. Uh, so I just, I really appreciated um, the hard work you put into analyzing that and writing it down for all of us who strive from time to time when we want to surrender.
0: Yeah. We do. We want to surrender, but it feels so big and abstract. And so that's what I love about the journey and why I set it up as a journey, as you so beautifully pointed out, is because surrender is a process. And I think if we were honest, if we were to sit down and just be reflective for a few moments and say, okay, God, what is that thing right now that I am just striving and striving to control, to secure the outcome that I want? to smooth out, to make it all right, to make it all good, we would not have to spend a whole lot of time figuring out what that one thing is. I mean, I, for me right now, it's one, of my, it's one of my kids, right? Like I am striving for that kid with everything I've got. And, you know, the Lord just recently said to me, it's okay for them to experience disappointment you, it is not your responsibility to shield their heart from every hurt. That's my job as God. And it's like, okay, I got to surrender that one thing. And so the steps, the intentional trekking are, okay, what is that? What is that one thing today that we need to surrender? What is that fear we need to surrender? What is that area of jealousy we need Mm -hmm. to surrender? What is that disappointment that we need to surrender. And as God uh, invites us into these greater levels of freedom, what we experience is an intimacy with him that we have not experienced before. Yeah. And, and, and that's that, really...
1: That's, I love that word. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I love that word intimacy because it's when we repent or when we ask for forgiveness or we turn toward him and surrender. Oh, there's an intimacy, isn't there? I mean, just like your own child, when they turn to you and they say, Mom, I need your help, you know, guide me yeah. in this. And, and also, you brought up a really good point I didn't want to go over uh, too quickly, was when you talked about your children, you know, your greatest fear at that moment was your children. It's most of us as mothers, we just harbor On That anxiety of fear around our children and a quote that you had in the book, which I thought was really wonderful was our fear is not being enough. It comes from our lack of identity. And I think that that's, you know, that we worry about us not being enough. I can't tell you how many times as a mother, I would be on the floor in the kitchen, weeping and praying for our children. Um, and, and especially as they age and they grow, you know, God, I'm not enough, but you are. And, and there's just such a piece about that. There's such oh, a piece yes. about that. And you share it so beautifully in your book.
0: Yeah. I remember when we brought home our daughter from the hospital, Eliana, uh, both of our children were adopted at birth and uh, we had waited a long time for this little girl. Mm-hmm. and she came to us through adoption and it's just a beautiful miracle story but i remember that first night uh i was rocking her as i was trying to get her to sleep and as i sat in that rocking chair the tears just poured down my face and i was just like god i i don't deserve this beautiful gift i don't feel worthy of it and and i don't want to mess this up like let me be a good mom let me be enough for her right like And I, as I just sat there rocking and I just had this total fear envelop me, like, I'm going to mess this, this beautiful life in my arms, right? I'm going to mess her all up because I am not enough and I'm not going to do it right. And I remember as I sat there rocking in just the stillness of the night, just God speaking to me in my heart and saying, if Eliana had a perfect mother, why would she ever need a heavenly father? Amen. And I felt such peace in that moment. Like I am going to mess up as a mom, you know, and God was just like, every time you mess up, it's going to be an opportunity for you to point her to me, the perfect father. And man, I mean, I could not have been given a kinder gift from God in that moment than just that that piece of you are going to mess up. You are human. Only I am God. Only I parent perfectly. Um, And that, there's a lot of freedom in that.
1: There is. Amen. And, you know, we don't have a lot of time left, but I have a ton of questions. So, Erica, let me ask you if you'd be so kind to come on and do a part two with us. Um, I've got some questions about adoption. I've got questions about that situation. So um, I know that a lot of moms struggle with the fact that um, if I adopt this child, is that child ever going to feel complete? Are they going to feel like they're striving their whole entire life, uh, trying to figure out, was I good enough? Uh, How come my parents surrendered me? Um, And I do want to touch on that a little bit in part two, if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good, good. Um, so just to close, what I really appreciated in your book as well is that you talked about Psalm 139, 1 to 4. And do you mind if I just take a minute and read it to our listeners before we part? Please do. Oh, Lord. And you know, when you read scripture, friends, say it slowly. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word was on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Lord, I thank you so much. And I give this prayer and I lift it up to all of our listeners that if they do not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they surrender, that they stop striving and they surrender in you. And Father, I thank you so much for Erica Wigginhorn for coming on with us. Please stay tuned, my friends. I know that God's going to do great work in your life. This is Shugbury over and out.